So obviously this is a ministry uh, for people that uh, uh, have been in the military uh, or are in the military now. Uh, and uh, we had a couple of the folks that helped lead this in the first service sharing uh, today before, uh, after the video there for just a minute. Um, and uh, the, uh, uh, Tiffany Wandro and Chad Turner, uh, Tanner uh, uh, both helped uh, lead this. And uh, Chad actually, uh, he stood up here and said, you know, I thought I was okay. I didn't really think I needed it, but thought I would go into it, maybe to help others or something. And it ended up ministering to him uh, in such a way that uh, God's really done some amazing things in his life, and he can attest to that uh, today. But, but now, uh, uh, Clay uh, uh, Norman had been leading the group, and then last year, Clay had a job change that was going to cause him to not be able to be here to lead the group. And Chad felt like God was leading him to step up. And so now Chad... Uh, leads uh, the group, and so uh, you know it, it's an amazing thing, uh, and and it's and it's been super uh, from everything that I've been told, been super beneficial, uh, not just for those that have been through those things, but for the spouses of people uh, that uh, that have been through those things, uh, and so uh, and I've I've seen glimpses of this, and for obvious reasons, you know, people aren't just going in and hanging out uh, because. They want that to be, we want that to be a safe space for people to go and share uh, and that kind of thing. But I'll tell you this much. I came one night, they had invited me because they, they eat dinner. In fact, there's sign-ups for dinner. If you would like to bring dinner uh, to help feed the people, go out to the desk, they can help you figure all that out. Uh, and you can sign up to bring a dinner uh, for one of the Wednesday nights that it happens. It's a 12-week 12, 12 thing. Uh, but anyway, they had invited me to come eat with them one night. And then, you know, I was going to jet out or whatever after that. And uh, I could, it was last minute, I couldn't get up here right at the time, but I came late. I came late in the end of it. And uh, when I got here, you know, I like, I like kind of peeked my head in what was going on. I could tell like it was toward the end of the 12 weeks and they were having like a pretty serious, awesome time of, you know, people sharing things. And I was like, I, I, I probably don't need to go in there. And I was like, well, I need to use the bathroom. I'm going to run the restroom. So I go to the bathroom. While I'm in there, uh, this older man comes in who turns out I find out later, partly from him, that he's a, a Vietnam vet. And, uh, I, you know, we're just doing bathroom business, right? And, uh, and I'm like, what's up? Doing all right? And he just goes right into, I mean, I, I just, I thought, I was asking like, how's your day going or whatever. He just, he just unleashes on me how this has changed his life. And how, how God has worked in, him being able to share things that he hadn't talked about in decades. And he told me, he said, I, he, did, he did not know me, by the way. He did not know I was the pastor. I had not been introduced to the group. I mean, he, this guy and I had never seen each other in our lives that I know of. And, and he, he starts telling me about how God has begun to heal him through this. And, and his wife and his marriage through this. And, and so I, I just, we're behind this. It's centered around the gospel. We want, we want to minister uh, to folks that could benefit from this. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not you. Maybe you're not military, whatever. Maybe you know somebody that is. Maybe it is you. Maybe you're sitting here today going, you know, I, I think I'm fine. I think I'm good. I, I challenge you to come and go through it that you might minister to other people and see what God might do in your life too. Uh, you know, just, just food for thought. Be thinking about that. Uh, but they're starting up. This is now the third installment of this to, to come about. Uh, and so uh, that's coming up here pretty quick. I don't know dates. It's all detail stuff. Uh, and so, uh, and then uh, also, uh, they have also been developing a, uh, a new set, a new class for uh, first responders as well. So we're looking into uh, and Tiffany's, I know, really wanting to try to get to where we can also offer a class just for first responders as well, dealing with some of the same types of things. And again, taking people to the gospel, uh, to be healed, to talk, to help marriages. Uh, I mean, the suicide thing alone is so huge. I, I've, been, I've been now to the gradu all the graduations that we've had, both the graduations that we've had. They have like a dinner and do a little graduation ceremony thing, and they each get up and talk. And, and I can't tell you the, the numbers of people that talked about uh, things, the struggles like suicide and things like that, and, and, and we know how prevalent that is in this world, but especially with folks that have been there and been in combat and those kinds of things. 
uh, this is such a great opportunity for us, the church, to love on the people that God has put in our backyard. And I've dreamed and always known that we, we would eventually one day uh, get to reach so many of those folks. And I'm so glad to begin to see that happen. So be praying for them. If you can be a part of it, if you can bring food, bring food, sign up for that. That'd be great. Uh, that's all out there. And if you want more information, you want to talk to Chad or to Tiffany or whatever, just let us know uh, and we can get you in touch with them, okay? Um, new, new area unit. Praise Jesus, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to crank that sucker down on to 55. Get it going on. I uh, wanted to make mention, Ben will talk about this at the end, but make mention that there's a parenting conference coming up, uh, simulcast kind of deal. Really awesome, 20 bucks. You get uh, a book, uh, both tickets for a couple, uh, a box lunch for two people, you know, all that kind of stuff or whatever. Uh, so uh, that's coming up first part of November, so be, be looking for that. You can um, go online and register for that on the website, which, by the way, Ben just did a complete overhaul on our website, and it's awesome. He's done a great job with it. He's put a ton of time into that, uh, so thank him for that when you see him. Uh, just really, really good stuff, so uh, yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's get into this. Uh, Mark 7. You got a Bible? Get it out. If you don't have a Bible, let our ushers give you one. Uh, if you don't have one and you don't own one, get it and keep it. We'd love for you to take that, consider it a gift. Uh, we're going to Mark chapter 7 today, uh, back in the Gospel of Mark, which is an account of Jesus' life and ministry, uh, and uh, probably according to Peter, as Mike is, uh, Mark, Mike, Mark, uh, as Mark is pinning it, and, uh, uh, but uh, uh, pretty straight and to the point, uh, uh, passage of Scripture uh, that we have, especially with this particular one, we see also this same uh, account given in the book of Matthew, and Matthew definitely gives some more detail, uh, and that's good for us. It, it allows us to be able to see uh, some things, uh, you know, kind of going back and forth. The other one's in Matthew, uh, Matthew 15, uh, but going back and forth to be able to kind of see some of those things and look at some of those things, it's interesting to see uh, how God uses different people. It's kind of like if you had four friends that wrote four different accounts of your life, well, they've got some different stories about you than other people, or they remember you know, aspects of it that maybe the next person didn't or didn't write down or whatever, and that's kind of what you have with the four Gospels uh, in Scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, but we've been walking through the book of Mark together, and, uh, and so we're here at Mark 7, verse 24, and today we're, we're getting into this passage where there's a lady uh, who has come to Jesus and she is, uh, she is distraught and she has good reason to be distraught because uh, her daughter is not doing well. Her daughter is possessed. And so uh, she's coming and asking Jesus to do something about it. Uh, but there's a lot to this story. And, and, and to understand the story, you've got to get a bunch of the background in here uh, to really get and understand where this is going. Otherwise, you would actually think Jesus is being a jerk. Uh, and calling this lady a dog, and he kind of is, uh, or he is, uh, but uh, she's cool with it, and we'll see why as we get into this. But uh, yeah, so this is the passage that we're looking at today, Mark 7, verse 24. And, and Jesus has just been teaching about unclean and clean things, which was this huge deal uh, back then about, you know, who's, who's, what's unclean and what's clean, and if you touch that, you'll be unclean for a week or a month or, you know, whatever. It's all these rules and regulations that, that they had made up. Were not, they were not necessarily scriptural, most of them, but uh, they had made up all of this crazy stuff to kind of go along with some things uh, that were alluded to in Scripture, uh, but not meant to be taken to the extent that they got taken to. And so uh, Jesus comes through with the passage right before this, and you can go back and listen to the podcast on it if you want to, uh, about what is clean and unclean. And he, he begins to talk about something that was very controversial. And he begins to talk about how that the unclean actually comes from our hearts. That our hearts are, are evil, they're deceitful, and they'll lead us astray, and they'll lead us into sin if we, lead them, if we let them. And, um, and so Jesus brings about this teaching that honestly probably put him even in more jeopardy than he already was about other things that he had said that were not going over so well with the religious folks. And so uh, Jesus was kind of stomping down a bunch of that stuff and going through that. Let's go ahead and start reading. Verse 24, it says this. It says, and from there he arose, from where he'd been teaching before, there he rose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, 
yet he could not be hidden. So Jesus goes to this area, and he's specifically in Tyre, uh, as this uh, account begins to happen here. And uh, this, was, this was Gentile country. And, and, and again, we've got to give a little background here. You know, Jesus had been primarily teaching uh, the Jewish people about what was going on, the people of Israel about what was going on, the kingdom to come, the gospel, all of these things. And so, you know, Jesus is, you know, he's, he's on a mission. And we'll talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. Jesus is on a mission in doing that, uh, but he, he kind of wants to take a break. You know, he wants to kind of, you know, that's, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he's been going like nonstop. We see him kind of continually trying to get a break, so to speak. And so he goes, he goes over to this region here. And this would, this would have been like 20 miles up the road, probably uh, from Galilee. And, you know, but the, the deal with this is, is that in this, in this area, this was considered a people that were unclean. Of course, he just talked about that, right? He did, so, so we know where Jesus is with the whole unclean thing. He is not where uh, the you know, religious zealots and all these people had been teaching you know, about unclean and you can't be around these people because if you're around those people, then you'll be unclean for a long time or whatever it is. And then you can't even go to the temple. We won't let you into the church if you're unclean or whatever it is. You know, Jesus wasn't about that. In fact, Jesus wasn't not just not about that. I mean, he was so not about that that he was willing to go to Tyre and Sidon. Like this region was widely, would have been widely understood to be a region of people that would have been unclean. So for somebody like him, he shouldn't be going there to be around these people. Very pagan culture, this culture and this area and these people. And, and you know, you kind of go, well, why is, you know, why is Jesus doing this? Well, he's trying to get away, okay? Trying to get away, probably partially to, to kind of just go lay low for a minute, make, get, get rest, but also maybe even lay low after he just spit out that uh, the unclean thing is basically not what they had been teaching all along. And that unclean actually came from our hearts and that we've got to watch our hearts. And that God is the one to make our hearts clean. So there's a whole lot to that, but that's, that's gone down. And so now Jesus has gone over here to basically what might be considered the other side of the tracks, the area that you shouldn't go to, the area that you don't want to be in or, you know, whatever. And that's where Jesus goes to hide out. And so he's gone to this house to, and we know he's trying to hide out because it says he could not be hidden. He's trying to be, but he could not be hidden. And in verse 25, it keeps going. It says, but immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So this lady comes out of nowhere, and she, she's heard about Jesus, and she obviously believes that he can do something about the situation that she's got going on with her daughter so much that she's not just there asking, she's there on her knees begging. She's begging. In fact, the verb here, the tense of the verb here, is that she is begging like she won't stop. She's not taking no for an answer. She is persistent as it comes. She is on the ground and she's not moving. Now, if you look at the account in Matthew, you actually see that the account in Matthew actually shows us that Jesus kind of like, it, it feels like he's kind of stonewalling her at first. Like, he's kind of like silent. She's doing the begging thing and all this, and, and it says Jesus is quiet. And he, and he just like, you know, I don't have like a staring contest or whatever with this lady or something going on, but, you know, Jesus is quiet. And so... You think, what in the world, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, answer this lady, what's going on? And so Jesus finally, he does answer this lady, uh, you know, but to, get, to kind of get this whole thing, to grasp this whole thing, I think that we, we have to even know, you know, that again, this is, this is a big deal that she even came to Jesus. Like, she, she, she was a Canaanite woman by descent, putting her in unclean, Gentile, uh, lineage of people, and she's not supposed to talk to somebody like Jesus. You know, like we make a big deal about the woman at the well, because like the woman at the well, like we all kind of know what she was into, like she's doing some 
you know, not good things or whatever, woman of the world, whatever you call it. And, uh, you know, and so like when Jesus talks to her, you know, it was such a big deal that he did that. The fact that this lady comes and is talking to Jesus, Jesus would have probably been seen at this point like a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. And so here's this guy who's like, you know, people are knowing that he's doing like some crazy stuff, healing people and all this stuff, like all these works of the Lord. And then here she comes. She's not even supposed to be talking to somebody like that. So (laughs) Jesus, first of all, he's, he's... you know, he's trying to lay low, <laughs> and that's not working. But on top of that not working and him not, you know, accomplishing the feat of trying to lay low is also that here comes, you know, in the middle of everything going on, here comes this lady, and she falls at his feet, and she is begging him, will you please heal my daughter? Will you please cast out the demon that is in her? And, and, and you know, we, we got to, you think perspective, you know, I mean, if you're a parent, you understand this. If you're a mama, you really understand this, okay? Like, if you're a mama, you ever, you ever backed a mama into the corner, you know, over, over one of her babies? I mean, the teeny, tiniest woman will bring on you the wrath of something you don't even know what, right? I mean, men just know better. That's why so, so many men are just quiet, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm not saying nothing. You know, I'm not, I'm not stirring that pot, you know. I dealt with a lot at work today or whatever, you know. This lady was desperate. But I'll tell you what, she was more than desperate. She was full of faith that Jesus could do this. She was full of faith that Jesus could do this. She believed with all of her heart that he could do this. She believed so much that she wasn't going to let him go. She wasn't going to let him keep going. She wasn't going to stop asking. She was going to beg and beg and beg and beg until he heard her. Until he did something. Until he acted on what was going on. Verse 27, she gets a response. Probably not what she expected, but she gets a response. And how she handles it is absolutely amazing And actually, I would say a very historical moment in Jesus' ministry, especially if you're just looking at the book of Mark. Like, this is the first time we've seen somebody respond to Jesus like she responds here. It goes on, verse 27. Let's check it out. It says, and he said to her, of course, again, she's just begged, you know, hey, will you cast the demon out out of my daughter? And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And you're like, do what? What does that mean? Right? Okay. Let's talk about that. She, let's talk about, let's, let's, let's go ahead and read through the answer here. But she answered him, yes, Lord, even, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way and the demon has left your daughter and she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. So, what in the world is Jesus saying to her? Okay, let's read that statement again in verse 27. Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So, Jesus is very mindful of the mission that he is on, okay? And, and you know, if God's called you on mission to do something, I hope that you're very mindful of, of what that mission is too. That's an important thing and often hard in this life uh, to remember and keep fighting for, you know, what God has placed on your heart and that kind of thing. Uh, but Jesus is very mindful of that mission. The mission that Jesus had, that he's thinking about, when he says this statement, He's thinking about a couple things. The first thing he's thinking about is mission. We'll get to the second thing in just a minute. The first thing he's thinking about with his mission is that his mission is to educate, to tell the people, to help them to understand the people specifically of Israel, who he is and why he's come. Let me say that again. Jesus, his mission was 
to help the people of Israel, God's chosen people, to understand why He had come. To fulfill all of the prophecies. To be the Messiah. All this stuff. And, it was, and this was not an easy task because when He showed up, He's not who most of them were expecting. They were expecting some political leader that was going to like make them all rich and you know, all, this, all this stuff. You know, the stuff that you know, people want. And that's not who Jesus is. And that's not who Jesus came to be. Jesus came as a humble, a humble king to humble himself even to the point of giving his life on the cross, that he would die for us, for our sin, for anyone who would believe. So wait a minute, Chris, you're telling me that Jesus's mission was to make sure that the people of Israel, to try to get the people of Israel to understand and know what was going on. And and. But what about the Gentile lady? What about the Gentile people? What, what's going on with that? Why is he calling her a dog? You know, like what, what's up with that? Well, Jesus wasn't just mindful of his mission. Jesus was mindful of the mission of what was to come for the early church. The early church would be coming right behind him, right? You know, he's, he basically he's looking at this as he's priming the pump. He's priming the pump for what's to come. What's to come after him is the early church. And the mission of the early church is what? To who? All nations. All nations. So, Jesus knows this. And so what Jesus is saying, is He's saying, lady, i got to tell you, there's a bit of an order. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't messing with her, and he's, not, and he's not being mean to her, and He's not even rebuking her. He's just telling her in His mind, here's, here's this thing, there's an order to how this is supposed to go, and here's the second reason why He's doing this, He's testing her. He sees her faith, but He wants to hear it out of her mouth. He wants to hear even further, where are you with this lady? And so he says this to her, and basically in saying this to her, here's, here's the way this is broken down. The children are the people of Israel. So when you say, let the children be fed first, he's saying that the message is supposed to go, the bread is supposed to go to Israel first, right? For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, which just put her and all the Gentiles in the dog category. And you're like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, I thought Jesus was like loving, and, and He is, He is. In fact, I, I want to even point out that there's a couple different wordings in the Greek that could have been used for dogs, and, uh, and, and the one that was chosen is not the scavenging stray dog that's out there and has no home. It is for a household pet that is part of the family. And that's important because of her response, that we understand that, Okay. But he's saying there's an order to this. The, the kids are supposed to be fed first. And maybe like at your house, if you've got a dog, we've had a few dogs. We've had some crazy dogs. Had this one dog named, named Rusty. That's the craziest dog I've ever seen. And, and a family here at our church actually has this dog. That dog chews concrete, okay? That's how, that's how crazy that dog is. He's, he's a beautiful, awesome dog. But he's crazy, crazy, crazy as a loon. Anyway, so... So Jesus is, is making a statement here. He's like, there's an order to this. And he's not being, you know, he's not being mean by, by using this illustration like we might think. Uh, you know, and some people would probably want to take it that way. He says, but for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now let's see, let's, let's look again at her answer. Her answer, she answered him, verse 28. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So if the children is Israel and the dogs are the Gentiles and probably all of, just go ahead and throw in all other people, uh, all nations, then the bread is the bread of life. It's the gospel. And she says back to him, let's read it again, yes, Lord, okay, so she comments back. Like you might think that like, she might come back with a, an answer where she's mad because she just got called a dog, okay? She does not. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat 
the children's crumbs. And she is saying to him, I understand that I'm not a person of Israel. I understand I'm not Jewish. I understand that I haven't been following the, the customs of the religions there. I understand all of those things. I understand that I'm not worthy. But even the dog in the house gets to eat from the crumbs left by the children. She shows us in this statement such a large amount of faith that it ought to put anybody that ever reads it back just a little bit and ask themselves the question, what does my faith in God really look like? What does my faith in the Lord really look like? Am I really trusting in the Lord? I, I mean, take, take the whole picture here. Woman, who is not supposed to be talking to Jesus, <laughs> runs up to Him in public, throws herself at His feet, humbles herself before Him, and, and, and basically shows that she believes, and not only shows it, but then when He gives the response, and she responds back, she calls Him Lord. His disciples that have been with Him all this time are not even there. His disciples who have seen Him do the craziest of stuff, they're not even there. They're still questioning who is Jesus at this point. How do we know that? Because we just read it earlier in this chapter and in the chapter before that and the chapter before that. They're struggling to believe in Christ as the Son of God and as the Messiah. They're struggling. They really are. And part of the reason, I really believe part of the reason for this back and forth that Jesus would have this conversation and, and, and have her say, I mean, He knew what she was going to say. He's Jesus, right? You know, the reason He had her say it out loud, the reason they had that conversation in front of these people, the disciples are standing there, I'm sure they're all watching this, is so that everybody, including me and you, could see her faith. And who is she? A Gentile woman that's not supposed to even talk to him. Like she, she'd probably be like, you know, killed or something for doing what she's doing. But, but listen, she's a desperate mama backed in the corner and she knew in her heart there was one person that could do something about this. And his name is Jesus. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you feel backed in the corner and you don't feel like there's any way out and there's no hope left in life, and I'm just here to tell you today that there is, and it is still the same 2,000 years later. It is still Jesus. I mean, this is an amazing account. I mean, it's absolutely an amazing account of this back and forth between this lady and Christ. And so he tells her, he says to her, verse 29, he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Gone, gone, gone. Jesus didn't even go to the house. He's like, lady, for what you just said, you got it. Boom. Done. Go on home, fix some spaghetti, Put on the Netflix and have a good night. I don't even need to go with you. It's already done. You just go. Just go on back to the house. She's healed. Demon's gone. Some of you think your kids got demons in them. Jesus healed them too. That are a Flintstone vitamin. Try giving them that. Where'd those go? Rub some Tussin on it or something. Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a mission. And He's being very mindful of the mission. His mission is that He's supposed to help Israel to understand what is going down with the kingdom of God. And he was mindful of that. He's mindful of the church's mission to come, which would, which would be to, that the gospel would go to all nations. It's all part of a plan. And He understood that He needed to lay low. That even Him going to Tyre would possibly affect him being able to speak the mission that he's trying to carry out with the people of Israel 
Hence why he's trying to stay on the down low. One thing that we know about this lady is that she, she was desperate. She was, she was hungry. She was hungry. She believed. Our faith is sometimes not as strong as we think it is, isn't it? I mean, if we're just, if we're just being honest with ourselves. It's amazing how simple things in life can help us or hurt us to question our faith or, or to maybe lose faith, as you might say, and we don't even realize that that's happening most of the time. I'll tell you what, just to kind of cut to the heart of it, you know, something that I think that we can all identify with is money. Let's just say that money was an issue. Let's, let's, say, let's say you found out you're going to lose your job. I got one of the guys in my, he was in first service, one of the guys in my, in my uh, Tuesday night discipleship group of guys that meet in my basement. I have watched this guy now lose one job, and he's, and he's possibly about to lose another one. And I have to say, I am absolutely amazed at how trusting in the Lord he is about what God is doing and leading him and his family and brought them here from another state for the job that he just lost earlier this year and he's already gotten another one. It's crazy to me, you know. So many of us, if that was on the table or we thought we weren't going to pay the bills or something like that, we'd be losing our minds, right? And, 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 and here's the truth. Where's our faith in that? Has God not brought us to where we are right now? Did we do that on our own? Did we do that through all of our hard work and earned paychecks and everything? I mean, that's kind of what we want to think. But the truth is, is that He's the one that's given us the job. He's the one that gives us the opportunities. He's the one that's given us the abilities. You know, I think for us to really ask ourselves, where is our faith, is a really important question for us. It's an important thing for us to ask and, and just seek out on our own, like, where, where am I with the Lord? Where am I with the Lord? Where's, where's my faith? And, and where your faith is usually has to do a lot with where you are in your relationship with God, your personal relationship with God. I'm not talking about your church attendance here, okay? I'm talking about you and Jesus, like, What's that relationship looking like these days? And if you're like, well, Chris, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, maybe this question might help you answer that question, which is, how's your prayer life look? How's your prayer life look? Because according to your prayer life, I think you'll, you'll know automatically a lot of where you are with Jesus in your walk with the Lord. Now, this is obviously for a Christian, for believers. You may be sitting in here today, you may be going... Chris, I'm not a Christian. I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm here to tell you today that God loves you and He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you as much as He did for me. And He wants to save you today from your sin. And He wants to forgive you. And He cares for you. And He wants you to be a part of the family. And He wants to have a relationship with you. And that's what I'm talking about. She was hungry. Her faith was at an all-time high. Luke 1.53 says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. He has filled the hungry with good things. Are we hungry? What are we hungry for? Are we hungry for the things of this world? Are we hungry for possessions, or jobs, or relationships, or whatever? Are we hungry for those things? Do we, how, do, how do we, if we do at all, hunger for our relationship with Christ? And how does that affect everything else? You see, I think a lot of people approach their walk with the Lord in the wrong way. They've, 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 you know, whether it be that they grew up in the South and they feel like church or the Christian faith in general is all about like all these rules and regulations and things that we're against. I think that's the opposite of the way we should look at it. In fact, I was having this conversation with some guys last week about long ago and first started the church with some other churches that wanted us to kind of like band together with them about something and like stand up for something in the community or whatever. And, and uh, we met with them and we kindly declined, you know, saying, you know, hey, here's the deal. We, you know, we, we get that that's a, that's, you know, that's a conviction for you guys. It's actually not a conviction for us. 
And, and here's the truth of it. Uh, we don't want to be known for what we are against. We want to be known for what we are for. And that's not, that's not me making a statement against anybody else's church, by the way. We, as Christians, have done that for ages, and we still do it from time to time without realizing it. And the truth is, if we would approach Jesus hungering for a relationship with Him, to know Him more, to grow in Him, that our faith would grow, and outside of that, these other things would take care of themselves. Wouldn't be so much about you know, rules and regulations. In fact, it wouldn't be about that at all. It would be about... God is leading me to do this, X, Y, Z. And I'm excited about that, and that is dictating my life right now. You know, because that's what happens when you hunger for the Lord. What are we passionately seeking the Lord after right now? What are we passionately praying for? Again, I think the prayer thing says a lot about where we are. If you're, and if you're sitting here today or you're listening to this right now and you're just going, man, I, you know, I hear good messages like this. I don't even know what to do with them sometimes. I, I can think you can always go back to this one question of, of, well, what are you praying for? And if you're not praying, start praying. There's the place to start. Start praying. Start praying. In and out all day long. Just, you know, just talking to the Lord. Just, you know, like, Chris, I don't know how to, I don't know how to pray. It's just talking to God. Uh, Chris, well, you know, I mean, I can do that. Yes, if you are a believer, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you have a relationship with Him. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You don't need some dude on TV. You can just talk to God. So, James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So what are you praying for? Who are you praying for? That says pray for one another. Who are you praying for right now? Are you praying for, you praying for the people that God has put in your life that don't know Him? And that at the end of the day, we know that He's called you to be light to, called me to be light to some of those people in my life as well. The thing we've got to watch out for is apathy. Apathy is that, is that thing that sneaks in on us, and Satan loves this thing, and it's this whole, like, we don't actually care. Like, we can look like we care, but we don't actually care. And we're like, well, it's not really affecting me and my family, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay over here, and they'll figure their thing out. Is that who God called us to be? I don't think so. He called us to love one another, to love our neighbors, to, to reach our neighbors, to, to show them the gospel, to go to all nations, right? What's that look like for us to follow through with? I'm going to tell you something. I talked about this at first. Um, we are probably going to see the largest averages of attendance as a church that we've ever seen this fall. That is my prediction. Just based on some things that I have seen going on, good things. I mean, first of all, God's at work, okay? It's not any statistic, whatever, anything about that. God's at work. He's doing an amazing thing in our church right now. Um, and, I, and I really believe that He's wanting to continue that work. And, and even due to some of the work that has been done by many other people, some of our staff members and other people too, God is blessing and He is working and it's, and it's, and it's, it's an awesome thing to watch. It's going to get more awesome. Let me explain to you how it's going to get more awesome. You remember about a year ago, maybe longer than that, I don't know, last couple of years I've been talking about it on and off, I guess, um, talked about how Nashville, at the growth rate that it is, will probably double in size in what, like 10 years or something like that. Okay. And we talked about how that's going to affect our community. Even if you don't live in Metro Nashville, it's going to affect our community. Clarksville, by the way, is kind of doing the same thing if you hadn't, you know, paid attention. So we're kind of getting hit from both sides because we are the middle. And that is part of why we planted 24 here. Thirteen and a half years ago, we believed 
that God would bring people to this area and there needed to be a church here ready to meet needs, to minister to those people, to love on those people, and to show them Jesus. Most importantly, to give them the gospel and hopefully that their lives might be changed for the kingdom forever. So, this is a statistic. I'm getting it secondhand from, I think, reliable sources. Uh, from our beloved Mayor Keenan here in Pleasant View. Uh, Mayor Keenan Perry, we'll just call him Perry, okay? Perry shared this statistic last week with some of our guys. And he said this, he said, there are 1,400 rooftops, 1,400 homes in Pleasant View proper right now, okay? Pleasant View proper means within the city limits of Pleasant View. So we're not talking about, you know, on down 41A or up 41A or, you know, either way going toward whatever or whatever. Talking about Pleasant View proper. This is just this one statistic, okay? So we're only talking about one thing, and that doesn't include all the others. So keep that in mind as I share it. 1,400 rooftops in Pleasant View right now, over 1,400. And <laughs> there are building permits pulled right now for over 900 more. Do the math on that. <laughs> Nashville might double in size in 10 years. I think we're going to see that long before that. And part of it is we've always known this. We have more property. We have more land. All this stuff. There's going to be people moving here, building new homes, all of these things. Some people don't like it. I say, bring them on. Bring them on. I want to tell them about Jesus. Folks, that's what we're here for. That's what this church is here for. It's for His glory. That people would know Him. That He would be made known. But I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> that's not going to go well here if we aren't ready for it. That means this. If you consider 24 your church home, I'm asking you now, start praying now, how is God going to use you right here? How is God going to use you as a part of this body of believers? I mean, already, the first service, last two weeks, completely packed. I actually asked people in the first service today to pray about coming to your service. Okay? I'm not kidding. I had, our, I had one of our deacons, one of our ushers, go into the back today and find more chairs that aren't falling apart to come out here and find homes for them best he could. We're going to skim down the stage. We're going to try to add rows. We're probably going to have to buy more chairs to handle the amounts of people. It's awesome. It's awesome. This little building thing that we're talking about, I really believe in my heart, and I've got good reason to believe it, that it's going to be full of kids the day we open it. Full of kids the day we open it. The folks are coming. Are we going to serve them? Are we going to love on them? And you may be sitting here today and going, Chris, we're, we're just visiting this church. We just, we just moved here. We don't even know what's going on. Well, welcome. We're glad you're here. Come be a part of the family if that's what God leads you to do. But we want to be a family on mission for the sake of the gospel. That's what He's called us to do. And we're going to have an opportunity to do it. And you're going to have an opportunity to do it with the neighbors that are going to move in next door. And what are you going to do? Are you going to be bitter that they moved in, they brought all their junk and put it in the backyard or whatever? Or are we going to move them in and take them cookies? I'd say let's help them move in and take them cookies. I'd say let's let them know about Christ. i say we invite them to come be a part of this family. I say, let's have more micro churches and homes so that when they're moving in, we're like, hey, we have this thing at our house, you know, this night, every week, we eat together. Why don't you come hang out? That worked for us last weekend. We got new neighbors. All of the, <laughs> the police were chasing somebody with a helicopter. I don't know what was going on. But it got us all out in the front yard. <laughs> And we're all out in the front yard watching the kids. They're all looking. I got cash. And he's like, copter, copter, you know. And, uh, and in the midst of that, our new neighbors, they've been there, I don't know, maybe two, 
months or something. Really nice people. Already been just, you know, trying to befriend them and whatnot. And um, I said, hey, you know, and, and it was our night for microchurch last Sunday night. I said, hey, you know, we're, we're gathering up tonight. Why don't you guys come over? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, one of the guys in our group had smoked, like, I don't know, like every meat known to man. And I was like, well, look, I know this. I know we're going to have a bunch of smoked meats. Next thing you know, about 10 minutes later, here they come. He, he comes walking over and said, I heard something about smoked meats. I was like, that's right here, buddy. We're glad you're here. They even, they even stayed uh, through almost the end, prayer time, whole bit. You see what God's doing? Uh, folks, I, I'm just telling you, <laughs> I'm not sharing with you everything that's on my heart and everything I feel like God has revealed to me in the last couple of weeks, which I'm so thankful for. I can't even tell you. But I, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, this is the tip of the iceberg. And what we have seen God do in 13 and a half years is the tip of the iceberg of what He wants to do here with us. The church is not the building. The church is the people. We, the body of believers, are 24 church. Matthew 5, 6 says this, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. She was hungry. But you know what? She didn't think that she was the one doing this. She didn't expect anything. She didn't say, you called me what? Right? I mean, that's what we do, right? Like, we're, we're all about our rights. You know, and, and, and oh, oh, you hurt my pride. Or, you know, whatever. She doesn't do that. The woman knew she didn't deserve anything, and she was putting all her hope in Jesus, not her works. It wasn't, she wasn't saying, hey, Jesus, look at my faith. Or, hey, Jesus, I'm going to beg until you do this. No, no, no. She believed wholeheartedly that the Lord, which she called Him, that the Lord could do this. And let me say this. When it comes to us thinking about the people that God may put in our path for us to reach, I think that we've got to say, we've got to be mindful of something, and that's this. We can't reach a generation of people while we are rolling our eyes at them. And I'll let that sink in however it needs to sink in for you. But we can't reach a generation of people while we are rolling our eyes at them. We can't talk out of both sides of our mouth. We love people or we don't love people. If we are known for being a people on social media of what we are against, we are automatically shooting ourselves in the foot for getting to share the Gospel with some of those people. All nations. All nations. Guess what? Guess who the 900... Building permits are for all nations. And I'm glad about it. I can't wait to look at this crowd and see diversity like we've never seen in Pleasant View, Tennessee in a crowd of people. I can't wait for it. I long for it. You might be racist and you might be sitting here going, that doesn't sound good to me. You might, it probably doesn't sound good to you. You might not like it. I'll tell you this though. Stay around and pray that God changes your heart. Responsibility, it's a quote from Stephen Covey. Responsibility has two words in it. Response and ability. We have abilities. And how we respond with them for the sake of the kingdom of God is going to mean everything to the ministry of our lives and this church and the people that God is bringing here in the future. Jesus wanted her faith to be seen. That's why the back and forth. He wanted others to see it, even His own disciples. And she was not saying, give me what I deserve based on my goodness. She's saying, give me what I don't deserve based on your goodness. Martin Luther sees that in this passage and says that you're more wicked than you ever believed, but at the same time more loved and accepted than you ever dared to hope. When we realize 
that we need Jesus. That we need a Savior. That we need forgiveness for our sins. That we can't do it alone. We can't clean ourselves up and come to Jesus. He's the one that does the cleaning up. He's the one that changes our lives. He's the one that makes us new. We can't do that on our own. It's not about that. It's about letting Him do that work. He's the one with the power. We are not. And as for the future here at 24, I pray that all the dogs come here. I pray that all the children come too. All nations. That God would use us to love on people and to show them the gospel. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, it means we're going to have to do some work. We're going to have to get our hands dirty. You may say, well, I don't have time to get my hands dirty. And I'm just going to tell you that I think the gospel would say to that, we need to change our schedules. We need to be ready. Because we're on the cusp of exactly what we always believed that God was going to do here. And I believe that with all my heart. And I'm so excited for it. And I'm so excited to serve along with you. And I ask that you would pray. How is God going to use you in serving others here as a part of this body? Is it going to be in handling the multitudes of kids that are going to come? I believe that we're going to minister to multitudes of kids on Sunday mornings even without their parents being here. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. It's probably already happening in some way, shape, or form. And I actually know that it is. And it's exciting. And I want those kids to come and be loved on and to hear the message of Christ. I know you do too. Let them come. Be praying about it. In fact, let's pray about it right now. God, we're thankful for your grace and we're thankful for your leading. And God, we ask that you would guide us through this. Help us to be light into this world and in this community right here where we live. God, for the people that you're going to bring, for the, for the foundations that haven't even been poured, that they're going to walk on and live on. God, I pray that you would go before us and work in those homes and in those lives that they would be ripe to hear the gospel, that they would be ripe for a new friend, for a family to have thanksgiving with. God, I pray that we would be those people. God, lead us and guide us and direct us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all you've done for us. It's in your son's name we pray it. Amen.